Progress. Okay, shalom everybody. Nice to be here and nice to see you again. <laughs> Come at the right time, Baruch Hashem. All right, um, so in case you don't know who I am or whatever, my name is Meir al Kabas from Yerushalayim and uh, involved in Rabbi Nachman's teachings for 32 years now. And over the years, we developed, we're trying our best to develop ways to uh, make his teachings very applicable to everybody, that anybody can connect, because there's something very special in these teachings. So tonight's class will be like this. We're going to start with the main topic. And at the end, we have a special thing, an offer, called the 40-Day Challenge Bezetation. But before this, we have to introduce the topic that we want to go into, which the challenge will be based on Bezat Hashem. We're going to go into a lesson of Rabbi Nachman in his book. Rabbi Nachman wrote a book called Likutei Moharan. This is the main book collecting his teachings. And these teachings are special in that when you learn them, you begin to see that it's relating directly to what you are going through in your life, Bezat Hashem. In this lesson 24, Rabbi Nachman, amongst many things, he goes into the concept, the, the, the attitude that you should have in doing mitzvot, which is doing them besimcha. Because ultimately, what Hashem is looking for in the life of every Jew is to be happy. Ultimately, the goal of everything, the goal of the Torah, is not to serve Hashem out of bitterness and uh, out of routine, but to have an appreciation and to feel good. Because Hashem, that's what Hashem created the world for. The, the Kabbalists teach that Hashem is good, but He had no one to experience it before creation. What good is Hashem being good if there's no recipient? Mm. So the Kabbalists teach that Hashem created the world in order that there should be a point B. This point A, Hashem. At the beginning, He was everywhere. But now there should be a recipient to experience the goodness. So Hashem created the world. So this is the goal. The goal of everything is Simcha. And what's funny is that we see history, we see life, we see what the Jewish people have gone through nationally for almost 6,000 years that we're still around, Baruch Hashem, and what people go through individually. And we see that this is a major challenge. The biggest challenge people have in life is Simcha. Ultimately, ultimately, whatever a person's going through, if it's, if we go to the physical level, if it's financial, financial issues, Shalom Bayit issues, children issues, health issues, and then all the more so spiritually, where a person wants to serve Hashem. Ultimately, ultimately, the, the, the challenge is on if you can maintain happiness or not. And everything happening is to knock a person off of that. This is a pasuk in the Torah coming up, Parshat Kitavo. Parshat Kitavo, which we're going to be reading in a few weeks, brings down 98 curses, 98 klalot, and all types of crazy things happening. And, and at the end, Moshe Rabbeinu says, all this will happen to you. All this is happening because you didn't serve Hashem out of joy. It doesn't say all this punishment because you didn't do mitzvot, you didn't keep Shabbat, you didn't. Hashem's concern is you didn't serve Hashem out of joy. Because if you don't serve Hashem out of joy, when the push gets to shove in life, the first things a person is, is willing to drop off in life are the things that came with difficulty and they stay with difficulty. So meaning, a person above everything else has to develop a positive attitude. 
the truth is, the thing is, the trick is, that the only way a Jew can really be happy is through the mitzvot. Hashem designed it, that true joy is experienced in the format of tefillin, of Shabbat, of Yom Kippur, of Sukkah, of Tzedakah, of Brachot. This is a way how a person can experience true simcha. Simcha out of that domain is called simcha shel holelut. It's vain simcha. It's empty. So a person thinks he's happy, but he's really not. Rav Nossin, who's Rabbi Nachman's main disciple, he says pretty clearly, puts it on the table, don't get fooled by society. Don't get fooled by the world. When you see the rich and famous people with the nice Lamborghinis and their big houses, and you get the impression they have a nice vacation condo in Miami and then in Italy and whatever, and you get the impression that they're happy, he says, Rav Nosen, you have no idea what's happening behind closed doors. And 100%, not 90%, not 98%, 100%, they're not happy. They're fooling, they're pretending to show you that they're happy, but the majority of people in the world who have made a separation between this world and the next world are not genuinely happy. So then where is the genuine happiness? It's specifically in the mitzvot. And there's so many mitzvot that whenever a Jew turns around, he can do a mitzvot. We see this in the famous uh, quote we say every day in the prayers. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akasha Omer, Okay? says the following. Hashem wanted to bring merit to the Jewish people. So what, what, how did he do that? He gave them tons of Torah and mitzvot. So Rav Natan, Rav Nosan asks, that's a merit? That's a burden. <laughs> Hashem wants to give them merit? So he gave them tons of Torah and mitzvot. We need tons of mitzvot. Now it's a burden now. It's not, it's not, I'm, I'm not enjoying it. Hashem gave me a merit, so give me a break. No, not a break. You have tons of Torah and mitzvot. What's the merit here? There are so many Torah and mitzvot that a, that, that a Jew has access to, whether he's, he's aware, of it, aware about it, whether he's not even aware of it, that whenever a Jew's turning, he's doing a mitzvah. Meaning, you can be surrounded 24-7 with mitzvot. For example, the Chafetz Chaim, in his book, the main book, the Mishnah Bura, his main book of halacha, the very opening halacha in the section called Biro Halacha, he lists six mitzvot that a Jew can do automatically just by thought. Hmm. Certain thoughts of thinking about Hashem in this way, that He's unique, that He's one, you get a mitzvah even in thinking, so that you can be technically 24-7 surrounded with mitzvot. So a Jew, his life, when he's looking for it, it's surrounded with mitzvot. What's missing now is the factor of being happy about it. That a Jew appreciates Thank you. I feel good that I put on tefillin in the morning. I feel good that I that I keep mitzvah, that I, I keep tarata mishpacha, that I keep the laws of kashrut. I feel good about it. It's not like a burden. I'm happy about it. I'm, I, I feel good. I made a brit meal on my children and I bought tefillin for bar mitzvah. I feel good about it. I, ha- I feel an appreciation and a good. But the etzara, the evil, doesn't want that. Because he knows that if a Jew is happy, that's the key for everything else in life. It's the key for all the blessings that a person can reach. The Arizal said about himself that the secret how he attained his high level. Everyone knows about the Arizal, the master Kabbalist. No one's questioning about his greatness. The x-ray eyes that he had, that he was able to see right through people. This high level that he had, he said about himself, came about through the simcha that he had in serving Hashem. The Arizal spent like a, quite a long time, like a, over uh, the majority of his life, he spent in Egypt, and he was in solitude. 
No one knew about him. And he said in that time, he worked a lot on himself and he worked on the attribute of being happy and working on, on being bisimcha. And that's what gave him motivation. The truth is, for, for a person, anyone in the world to do something, to have motivation, they need simcha. If they're not happy, a person will stay in bed and be depressed and not do anything. It's the simcha that gives a person a motivation. Mm. So because of that, the Yetzirah knows that. The main attack that the Yetzirah does is to make a person upside down, upset, stressed, traumatized, whatever, all these funny words that society has brought into, into, our, into our dictionary, in our vocabulary, just to get a person to be down. All of this is characterized in an amazing psalm. There's a psalm in Tehillim, chapter 107, where the Baal Shem Tov initiated that a Jew should try to say this psalm every Friday right before Shabbat. This psalm is the transition of every Jew from the weekdays, the six weekdays, and Shabbat. The battles that a person goes in the weekdays and entering the world of Shabbat, there's a transition. And this psalm reflects like a summary of what a Jew goes through in his week and in his life. So this psalm, 107, talks about the four types of people, four categories of people who should give thanks to Hashem. They are the person who travels through a desert and comes out, a person who was in jail and came out, a person who was very sick, deathly ill, and came out, and the person who went through the, the sea on a ship and came out. So these four, the halacha learns out, these four types of people, they have an obligation to give thanks. Today, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, that involved bringing to the temple what's called a thanksgiving offering, korban toda, a thanksgiving offering. Today, we don't have a temple, no Beit HaMikdash. So instead, we have what's called the Birkat HaGomel, when a person now comes, comes off a plane, whatever, he travels overseas. So in a minyan, in a quorum, he says, A woman who gave birth, and she's a, it's a deathly situation when a woman gives birth. It's a miracle birth. And the healing of the mother, where she's bedridden for at least three days. So a woman also has to do Birkat right? So this is the blessing of thanksgiving. But hidden in these four categories are hinted... Any birth or just the, the difficult birth? I think a regular birth, any birth. In these four are hinted to the challenges that every Jew goes through in life. Many times, every day, every week, every year, our life is filled with these four categories. Let's explain them, okay? Mm -hmm. The person who goes through the desert is someone who's in a situation where they don't know what to do in life. They're like, they're like traveling in a desert. They don't know where to go, where to turn, turn. The frustration caused by a person in a situation, he doesn't know who to speak to, what, who to talk to, mm. what, what direction to take in life. It feels like he's walking like a zombie in a desert, doesn't know where to go, okay? That's the first group of people, those who are like in a desert. The people now who are in jail, incarcerated in jail and come out, is a person now who feels that he knows what to do, he has an ambition, he has a direction, but the outside, the external people or society or the surroundings don't allow him to do what he wants to do. He feels like he's in jail. They don't let me do it. 
I'm trying to get this done. Every five seconds is a phone call stopping me to doing this. And I try to do this and this happens and that happens. The tire popped and I can't find it. my ticket. Well, all these funny things that a person tries to do something in life and there's obstacles from the outside. The third category of somebody who's sick and bedridden is a person now who just doesn't feel like it. He feels so miserable inside that even though he knows what to do, and deep down inside he wants to do it, but this, his inside doesn't let him. He feels spiritually sick, not just physically sick, but he feels uh, spiritual apathy and out of it. Oh, just leave me alone. And I, I don't have the motivation to do it. And I feel so weak and, and, and fragile and wimpy. So that's the third category. The fourth one is the hardest. The fourth one is when Hashem opens the doors for somebody, He gives him light, gives him a direction, and then a person goes super high, but then he crashes. He's scared now because every time Hashem opens the doors for him, he goes super duper high, but then he crashes, like in the sea. There, King David in the Psalm 107, he depicts it as the following, We go up to the sky, and then he crashes rock bottom. They have an expression like this in, 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 in Hasidic uh, terminology, that one day a person is a malach, is an angel, and the next day he's a galach. In Yiddish, a galach is a priest. <laughs> one day a person is Superman, the super light. Thank you, Hashem. I woke up on time this morning. I davened great. And at work I closed on a good business. And my wife was so happy with me today. And everything was just great. And I had a good day and I felt good. And then something happened at night that he had a crash and then the next morning he can't even get up in the morning. He wakes up like 11 in the morning and he's just so negative and ich, you know, what value is my davening today? And then that, that negativity goes into work and goes into eating and goes into the family. Okay, one day he's a super duper man and the next day he's a galach, he's like a priest. Okay? All four have a common factor. Frustration. The frustration of, so what do you want me to do? The guy in the desert, he doesn't know what to do. He's frustrated. The person now who wants to do, and they don't let him, he's frustrated. The person who also wants to do, but the inside doesn't let him, he feels like some negativity, a lot not letting him to advance. He's frustrated. And this guy, the last category, the hardest one, okay, the person now who's going super duper high and then he crashes, for sure he's frustrated, because here he says, Hashem, what do you want from me? You give me an opening, you give me a light, you give me such a good experience, and then I crash. I'm scared now to have a good experience, because I know I won't be able to handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's called Ribu Or, I have too much light, and then I have a crash afterwards. What was the word you used? Galuk? Galach? Galach. What does it mean again? In Yiddish, a priest. We'll save the questions for the end of this okay. year, because it, it'll come in. You'll, okay. As we go on, you'll, you'll see the answers coming. Okay. Thank you. Alright, so, so all four have this common, this common attitude that person has the frustration and the frustration leads to sadness, depression, what the Yitzhara wants. As soon as, 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 as a person is locked from happiness, the Yitzhara has him. That's the key. That's the key. Rabbi Nachman says, the opening to all sicknesses in life is sadness. And the key for all healing in life is simcha. We see that, right? The doctors tell us whatever they tell us, but the real reality is if a person has a positive simcha attitude, that's the key for healing, that's key for all the brachot come in, okay? Simcha, by the way, we, is so important that it's the goal of the mitzvot, the goal of the Torah 
is to come to the simcha behind it, that the simcha is even greater than the Torah itself. It's, it's the greater, greater than the mitzvot. That's the goal. The goal is to come to the simcha. Because of that, Yetzirah does everything to break a person in that area. Okay? Because of this, a person has to do his maximum to be happy, to be in a positive attitude. Last time we were here, we gave a class. We gave the example of acting silly, telling jokes, even if it's stupid jokes. But if it gets you smiling, and it's a fake happiness, and you want to come to true simcha, true happiness, it's a stepping stone. That's one advice. Another advice is to give a thanks to Hashem and to appreciate even when things are d- dark and difficult, you give thanks to Hashem. They say in breast stuff like this, that when someone asks, when Reuven asks Shimon, Shimon, how are you doing today? And Shimon says, terrible, miserable. I lost this much of money and this, and now I have some type of a disease on my foot. And so Hashem says, terrible, terrible. I'll, like, I'll show you what real terrible is. And Hashem makes it even worse for the person. <laughs> but if now... A person is going through real gain now. He's having a hard time. And we even ask Shimon, you know, Shimon, how's it going? And the person's really suffering, but he says, Bauch Hashem, I know it's for the good. I know it's really, it's, Hashem has something good in mind for me. So Hashem says, good, you call that good? I know it's not good for you. I'm going to make it now that it's really going to be good for you, Vizat Hashem. Okay? So the attitude of being positive and giving thanks is an opening. Mm. But we know in life, <laughs> That it's not easy to do that. When you put in the test, you frick, your mind goes blank. Even though you know these ideas, you know, yes, to be happy and tell jokes, and you know, to give thanks, and to, to, to be good and everything. You read all these books, you go to all these courses, you know, Simcha 101, you do Joy 101, a course on Joy. You do everything to try to be happy, but when it comes to the tests in life, you see that it's not happening. It's not clicking. I learned all these books. I learned the book uh, Gateway to Happiness by Rabbi Zalik Pliskin. I, I learned a lot of breast of teachings on Simcha and everything. Where is it? When I'm tested, I, I'm not there. So there are times, yes, that a person has no other alternative but to cry out to Hashem. Like in this Psalm, Psalm 107, it says there, right? It says after the, as we interpreted, the frustration of the guy in the desert. He doesn't know where he's going. So then it says, When not knowing what to do, the person cries out to Hashem. And then Hashem opens the doors. And then it says, Then they give thanks. The second category also, the frustration of the person in jail. Where he doesn't know, what do you want from me? I'm trying to do, and they don't let me do it. And the frustration causes the person to have a type of a breakdown that he actually begins to cry to Hashem. But it's cool Hashem again, it says. And they cried out to Hashem, because Hashem, what do you want from me? I don't know what in the world you want from me. And then, the verse continues, and Hashem saves them. And the third category, the guy who's sick, he's so out of it, and he knows it's wrong, and it bothers him that he's out of it, and he's just, he's so vulnerable and fragile. He also cries out to Hashem, I don't want to be like this Hashem. I really want to be happy, I want to serve you. And Hashem saves him. And even the last category of the guy has major ups and major downs, and he can't handle it anymore. Hashem, what do you want from me? I just want to be a balanced Jew, a balanced human being. It's so difficult to be a balanced Jew. That's all I want, to have a balanced life. What's so, what's so, what's so wrong to want that? What's so difficult to, to try to achieve that? And even he cries out to Hashem, and then his heart is opened up, and then Hashem opens the doors. This is something 
fascinating that when a person is squeezed enough, he's able to express his inner essence. And in fact, this is why Hashem squeezes people. The reason why people are squeezed, because Hashem wants you to talk to Him. Hashem wants you to develop a relationship with God. A person now, normal people, average people in the world, when they get squeezed, what do they do? Oh, I have to speak to this therapist, I have to speak to this rabbi, I have to... Did you ever even once think of closing everything and crying out to Hashem? Did you even think once? No. So the squeezing, like when you squeeze anything, you put something in like a silly pot in your hand, you squeeze it, or it goes up, or it comes down. It doesn't stay there. When a person is squeezed, the reason why he's being squeezed is that he should turn to Hashem. So now, for example, ideally a person should be happy in serving Hashem, but there's something stuck inside and he's not bringing it out. And because of that, he's not, it's not working in the happiness. So Hashem forces a person through pressure until a point, a point where a person can't handle it. If he knows the right thing to do, he has the merit, he'll turn up towards to Hashem. If not, he'll go the other direction. He'll go to drugs, he'll go to suicide, he'll go to do other things, other means to try to appease this inner pain. But the real truth is this is happening in order to open up a person. I just met someone recently, amazing, I met someone recently in New York now, who no one ever told him to express what he's going through to Hashem. They, like, they gave him all types of segulot. He went to all types of rabbis and kabbalists and this and that. And all telling him, okay, do this, do that. But no one ever told him to open up his heart sincerely to Hashem. <laughs> and finally he did it. And he said, where was this all my life? I went to this rabbi and that rabbi. They gave me all these things to do. No one ever told me to talk to Hashem, to open up. And that's the key for the, for the, for the, for the, for the breakthrough in life, is to open up to Hashem. Where was that? And the person, like you say, I'm shocked. Uh, all these years, all these years, and was given all types of things on this side, but this is the main thing, to open up the heart to Hashem. He teaches Rabbi Nachman that when a person is able to really open up his heart, the, the aftermath is automatic simcha. Because what, why is there no simcha in a person's life? Because it's building up, building up, building up. What does the person do? Okay, it's okay, it's okay. And he keeps it inside, keeps it inside. Until you can't keep, how much can you keep inside yourself? It has to burst out. As opposed to a person on a daily basis set time to what's called to do hit bodidut. To talk out to Hashem. So then you have that opportunity to be happy. They have a joke, they say in Brasil like this. That every day is 24 hours. 23 hours is Purim. And one hour is Yom Kippurim, okay? Mm-hmm. 23 hours to be happy like Purim. And one hour is Yom Kippur where I'm doing vidu, I'm crying out to Hashem. And this is dependent on that. The joy a person, a person's day is dependent on how much he's able to express in his heart. And if he doesn't express himself, so then he gets squeezed and squeezed until eventually it does come out. So fortunate is the person who's able every day to set time to just be alone with Hashem to express his pain and this is the greatest gift to being able to open up one's heart to Hashem okay this is the greatest gift one other point I wanted to bring here second the place of emotion is in the heart and also the place of simcha is in the heart like King David says natata Simcha Belibi. Okay? The heart's development is through 
joy. That's the seed of emotion. So let's go back to what we said originally, that the key for a Jew to begin the, the process to come close to Hashem is Simcha. When a Jew starts off anywhere in life, he starts off in darkness. The classic example is the day. According to Torah, where does the day begin? By the night. Vayi Erev, Vayi Boker. It says in Genesis, when the counting, the creation of the six days, and it was night, and it was day, day one. And it was night, and it was day, day two, okay? The Jewish day starts with the night and the day. Because this is the setup. The person starts in the darkness, and his goal is to work on being besimcha in the darkness. The Al-Sheikh, the Holy Al-Sheikh, who's buried in Sfat, by the way, Rabbi Moshe Al-Sheikh, in his commentary on the Chumash, he says something amazing. He says, Hashem created the human being that the pupil looks black, dark. The sight of the human being, the bat'ayin, the pupil, is black. Because the nature of a person is to see everything black. That's the nature of a person, to see everything dark. You have to work to build up simcha, simcha, and a positive attitude is not something which is you're born with. You can't say, oh, that family, they're always happy. It's no wonder the kids are happy and everything. You have to work on it. No one is like born on top of the mountain that they have the simcha in their pocket. You got to work hard to be besimcha. It's a daily, daily struggle to work on being happiness and maintaining it. But the key for that is this devotion of Yidbolidut. So now Rabbi Nachman says, when a Jew succeeds now on being happy and doing mitzvot happy, this causes momentum, meaning you can actually influence your surroundings and the rest of the world to wake up to serve Hashem. The mitzvah has now momentum because of the person's joy, and you're no longer doing the mitzvah for you anymore. The mitzvah that you're doing now is connecting the whole world back to Hashem. To explain, what is a mitzvah? What is a mitzvah? A mitzvah on the simple language is a commandment. It's more than that. What Hashem, has, I, I, Hashem wants my servitude, so He asks me to serve Him. It's much more than that, though. The word mitzvah also comes from the word tzvat, which means to connect. To connect. Connect point A to point B. To connect what? To connect this world back to Hashem. That's hinted to in the word for itself, mitzvah. You have four letters here. Mem, tzadik, vav, he. The vav, he of mitzvah corresponds to the Vav in Hashem's name, Yud Ke, Vav Ke. And the Mem Tzadik, the Mem Tzadik in a type of numerical system in Hebrew called Atbash. Atbash is where we take the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 letters exactly, and we fold them. So there's 11 here, and 11 here. What happens when you do that, the first letter corresponds to the last letter. So Aleph corresponds to Tav, Bet now is Shin, Gimel is Resh, it's called Atbash. When you fold the letters like that, so then the mem corresponds to yud, and the tzaddik corresponds to hey. Mm-hmm. So in the mitzvah itself, mm-hmm. you have Hashem's name hidden there. Yud K is hidden in the mem tzaddik, and the vav K, which is the vav K from Hashem. Meaning what? When you are doing any mitzvah, even a bracha, or all these mitzvahs we mentioned that you're doing, mm-hmm. you are actually connecting to God Himself. It's elokut. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. You're holding tefillin in your hand. It's a piece of Hashem in your hand. You're saying a bracha, the words, the, the breath and the air of the formation of the letters of the words. This is godliness. You're, this is your connection to God. This is what Hashem wants. What does Hashem want? That His presence be revealed in this world. What's so special about that? The rabbis teach 
that when Mashiach comes, the only festival that will continue to exist is Purim. Mm-hmm. Everything else will disappear. No more Pesach, no more Sukkot, no more really? Shavuot. Yeah, why? It's a Gemara, Masechet Tamid. Kol HaChagim Betelim, Vimei HaPurim Lo Niftalim. All the festivals will cease to exist, except for Purim. Why? Everything else, Pesach, Sukkot, Shavuot, was Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim, was commemorating the leaving of Egypt. What happened in the leaving of Egypt? Open miracles! Ten plagues, splitting of the Red Sea. Who's not going to believe? When you see open miracles in life, for sure you're going to believe. For Hashem, that's not such a big accomplishment. That Hashem overturned nature, did super miracles, supernatural miracles. Of course you're going to believe. What's the chidush? What's the, what's the big thing? Is that when Hashem is made known from within the concealment of nature, for Hashem, this is the biggest accomplishment. The timing of Achashverosh and Haman and Esther coming in and Mordechai, the timing of the story of the Purim, the Megillah story, and, and that the timing revealed that there's a God running the world, which is the amazing, not coincidences, but divine providence in the timing, ah, I see Hashem revealed. For Hashem, this is the greatest, greatest accomplishment that from a physical world, the world is called in Hebrew, Olam. Ein vav mem. The word olam comes from a concealment. Ha'alama. A concealment. This world conceals Hashem 100%. It's 180 degrees opposite of Hashem's revelation. What's the goal? To have Hashem revealed in this concealed world. It's two opposites together. It's two opposites in one. It's Hashem and this physical world together and seeing Hashem. This is the, God, the job of the mitzvah. The Mem Tzadik is corresponding to Yud Yudke in Hashem's name is the higher part of Hashem, the hidden part, okay? Vav is the accessible part of Hashem's existence. Because when we do Shabbat, when we do Torah, we do mitzvot, we're showing Hashem's presence in this world. Why are you Jews wearing peyot and beard and everything? Ah, because they are connected to God. So I see the Vav of Hashem's name revealed in the world by the people doing the mitzvot. What is it connecting? To the hidden part of Hashem, the one that we don't see. That's what the mitzvot do, Okay? So when a Jew does the mitzvah besimcha, the mitzvah has momentum, as opposed to doing a dead mitzvah. Like a person could do a dead mitzvah. They said about the Baal Shem Tov once, that he came to a shul, to Davin, and he stood at the door, he put his hand on the mezuzah, and he froze. And, it, and the students said to Rabbeinu, why aren't you going into the shul, to Davin? He said, I can't. He said, why not? He said, it's packed solid. They looked at the baby drush, there wasn't a single person in the shul. He said, Rabbeinu, no one's here. He said, you don't understand. The people's words of prayers are said without any life, any simcha. So all the words of the prayers stay down here. And now they're, they're, they're occupying the airspace and I can't even get in. I can't even get into the room because all their words of prayers are just stuck here. You can do a mitzvah, you get something, but it doesn't go up. What lifts up your mitzvah? Joy. What this means, this is really scary if you think about it. You can have a Jew who is Mr. Tisha B'Av every day. Every day he's sad. He goes to shoot and he puts on his tefillin very sad and he's very negative, okay? And once a year, this Mr. Shimon, whatever, he's happy on Simchat Torah. That once a year joy that he's happy on Simchat Torah lifts up all the mitzvot that he did the whole year dead. All the dead mitzvot come up once a year when he's finally happy. In other words, the mitzvot are waiting on standby. We're on standby, ready to take off, right? His mitzvot are waiting dead. 
when he has that opportunity, he goes to a wedding and he's dancing and he's happy and it's a, he's mesameh chatan vekala, or he's, a, he's, he's doing something where he's happy about it, that happiness then retroactively lifts up everything. So in other words, everyone has hope. Everything else has hope. The question is when? <laughs> That's the question here. Here we want that on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, that we have this ascent. Not have to wait once a year or once in every 10 years to finally have an ascent once in a lifetime. To have it happening. But when it happens, all the mitzvot go up that a person has done, even dead until the last time he was happy, they go up now. And when that happens, like we said, the mitzvah, which is godliness itself, causes repercussions, there's a rippled effect, that now the whole world around that person gets awakened and aroused to serve Hashem. And that person sees that, and that when a person is positive and happy, and he does mitzvot, he has a good day. He has a good day. Yes, yes. When a person now fought a challenge of negativity and he overcame it and he did it b'simcha, so then it has a percussion. The person on the bus stop, how are you? Good morning. The bus driver, he's not giving him the sour face like every morning. He's saying, how are you? Had a good day. How was your sleep? How was your coffee? Whatever. At work, his family, his wife, his kids, it has a repercussion. It works up. It, it, it builds up. This is the rippled effect of the mitzvah. Ibrahim Nachman says it's hinted to in the Pasuk when Paro told Moshe Rabbeinu, Paro was tell, uh, Moshe was telling Moshe, let my people go, we want to offer Korban Pesach in the desert. So Paro said in the middle of the Makot, by the Makav of Arbe, of the locusts, he said, okay, I'll let you go. Miva mi but who's going? <laughs> I'm not going to let everybody go. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, we're all going. Binarenu, ubizkenenu nelech. We're going to go with our, the elders and the young, with our boys and daughters. Uh, okay? We're going to go with our sheep and our cattle. We're going to bring everything. Because it's a festival, and we have no idea what Hashem is going to demand of us. So Rinachman uses this pasuk to show that a mitzvah, like in this case, the mitzvah of the Korban Pesach, has the power to activate arousal in everybody. So he says, the, the verse is reading, we're all going to go. In other words, we're all going to have momentum. Who? The elders, the young, the children, the boys, the daughters, the sons and daughters, the sheep, the cattle, everyone's going to be awakened. Showing that when a Jew does a mitzvah, it has, reper- it has repercussions. And what's the result of that? He teaches Rabbi Nachman, the next stage is what's called bracha. You want bracha in life, blessings? This is the key. The key to bracha in life is simcha. It's a simple Mishnah in Pirkavot. Ezu Asher, Hasameach Bechelko. Who is someone who's wealthy? Someone who's happy with his portion. What is the portion that you have? It's the mitzvah that Hashem gave you, that you have access to easily at the tips of your fingers, the mitzvah that are close to you, and you're happy about your chelek, your portion, what you have. This is the greatest wealth. This activates bracha. And in bracha, blessing, you might think bracha is okay. Shefa, parnasa, children, uh, Lamborghini, health. The real bracha, believe it or not, is the awareness of God. Because when you have awareness of God in your life, you can be happy with anything, right? The Gemara says in Pirkei also, Dat kanita machasarta, dat chasarta makanita. If you have Da'at of Hashem, you have everything. And if you're lacking the Da'at of Hashem, what do you have? You have nothing. 
a person can have a 50 square meter, square meter apartment and he's living crumbled with his six kids, seven kids, but he's happy, he loves it. He appreciates it. He's happy with what he has. You have another guy has a big house, a big mansion, and he's just all day worried and worried and full of tzarot and everything. He doesn't have the happiness. When you have that, which means you recognize that Hashem loves you. When we say dat of Hashem, it's like a big word. What does it mean, the words of Hashem? The awareness that Hashem loves you and He gives you exactly what He knows you need to serve Him. What you need to live right now, He'll give to you. There was a, there was a chassid, he used to walk every day from Tzfat to Meron by foot. Okay, that's like a three-hour, four-hour walk. While walking, he would study Mishnayot until he knew the Mishnayot off by heart. And he was very poor and reached a point where his shoes were all torn. So he woke up in the morning, no shoes. So he said, Hashem, or please give me new shoes, or give me the dot that I don't need shoes. <laughs> give me the dot that I need shoes. In other words... I'll, I, I want to be happy, Hashem. So, or give me the shoes if you feel I need them. And if you feel that I don't need them, so let me, be happy, let, let me, let me accept it. We want to say a bit more. When you are faced with a major challenge and it's killing you and you're so feeling bad, oh, it's over and you're worried and everything, of those four groups of frustrations, an amazing expression to God where Hashem likes these type of arguments. Hashem loves it when a person presents a good argument against him and wins him over. An amazing argument to say, Hashem, listen, if you want me to suffer like this for the rest of my life, and I know this is what you want from me 100%, then let me accept it b'simcha and emuna. Let me have the emuna that this is what you want, and the simcha, and I'll do it, Hashem. I'll be happy to do it. But if this is not what you want from Yashem, then get me the H out of here because I can't stand this. I'm, I'm, Hashem, if I'm sad and down, nobody gains. You don't gain. I don't gain. Nobody gains. Hashem, you're going you're gonna to lose out, Hashem. If I'm sad, Hashem, you're going to lose out. Hashem loves arguments like this. The Gemara says, Zamru lemin shemenatzchim bo'oto v'sameach. Sing to the one who we win him over, and he's happy about it. Hashem wants you to use good arguments against him. We're not, we're not saying, Hashem, why are you doing this to me? We're not saying that. It's Hashem, listen, I'll give you an ultimatum. Or you help me to be happy with my situation, or get me out of it. But to stay like this, no way. I don't want to stay sad. It's all going to work, not for you, not for me. We're all going to lose out. So what, what do you gain, Hashem? Hashem loves arguments like this. He loves when you put to front a good winning argument. The point of this argument is, that you need simcha to survive. There's no mitzvah in the Torah to be suffering and tisha b'av and to be sad. There's no mitzvah to be sad. Judaism, Rav Natan says, is not a burden. Ah, oh, it's a burden to be religious, a burden to keep Shabbat. He says the Torah is naim. The Torah is pleasant. It's a burden, so, so fix, your, fix your prescription, please. If you see it as a burden, there's something wrong with your perspective. The Torah is not a burden. It's not a burden. What is a burden? This world is a burden. That's for sure. When a person takes this world in itself, it's detached from Hashem, then he has a burden off to take care of this bill and take care of that and take care of this. Then a person has a burden. When Hashem's not in the picture, it's a burden. But when a person's connected to God and he follows more or less the parameters of what Hashem wants, it is the greatest simcha. It is the greatest simcha. Rav Natan writes to be, to be a Jew, to serve Hashem. It's the greatest simcha. So now going back, when a Jew has happiness... This is what leads the ripple effect of getting everyone to wake up, and it leads to bracha. The key bracha is the awareness of Hashem. 
the Zohar teaches, this is hinted to in the four letters of Baruch, Bracha, Baruch, Bet, Resh, Vav, Chaf. The Zohar teaches, is this is four words here, it hints to four words. Birkat Rosh, Umekor Kol. Bet Resh, Birkat Rosh, Umekor Kol, the blessing of the mind, of the intellect, and that being the source of everything. The main bracha a person can have is awareness of Hashem. What does it mean, awareness of Hashem? That Hashem loves me and He's sending me exactly what I need. And I, and I appreciate it and I recognize it and I, I thank Him about it. This is the greatest bracha. And this, Rabbi Nachman teaches, is the channel and the means to perceive the highest possible levels of Hashem's awareness. It's called tapping into the infinite light. A big, big term. And he explains that a Jew, even who never opened a book of Torah, sorry, not, not, I'll say it differently. If a person were to learn Torah a million years, he will not gain what this person gains by being besimcha and activating the bracha. Mm-hmm. However, the key for this bracha to be, a, uh, to be a means now to perceive Hashem is that when a person now has tapped into the bracha, from heaven they push a person back. He has what's called in the Kabbalah a betisha. A betisha is a person gets pushed backwards. And this is the test of mankind. Your attitude when you get pushed back, and we're talking about a person now who's worked on himself, he had ambitions, he worked on being positive and being happy and doing good, and he went up and up and up and up. At that point, the next stage requires that he gets pushed back in life. Most people at this point crash. Why? Because the simcha was not really there. It, was a fa- it wasn't real simcha. It was a fake simcha. It, it wasn't simcha at all. It was just a feeling of accomplishment. I'm advancing, I'm advancing, advancing. When heaven sees a person's reaching a point that if he continues to go up, he'll just disintegrate. He'll melt. He'll have too much light. They push him back. A person, everyone goes through that in life. Even people who are not so connected in the, the world of Torah, you have a point where you're about to reach a higher level in your ambitions and your goals, then you have a setback. It's called a betisha. And your attitude then will determine the rest of life. What is the positive attitude? That you can maintain joy. And by maintaining joy, to have the right attitude. What is the right attitude to the joy? When a person goes up and has things going good for him, so it's an emotion. We said the initial push for a person to go forward is joy. And joy is an emotion. It's located in the heart. We said the verse, Natata simcha belibi. Okay? So a person now is joyous, is joyous, is joyous. And then he gets to hit back. When a person gets to hit back, he has to know how to switch from what's called emotional mode to intellectual mode. To explain. When a person advances in life when a person is growing it can be compared to a person who has a warehouse and he's non-stop filling the warehouse of inventory okay a person now made a big order from china so the truck comes and starts unloading the inventory so the guy at the warehouse says okay put everything on the left side please and while he's unloading this inventory another truck comes from brazil with like apples from brazil i don't know whatever pears from brazil clementina whatever and he says okay put everything on the right side another truck comes or put in the middle and then there's no room everything's just mumbled in the warehouse because there's non-stop stock inventory coming in it looks messy nothing's organized What's needed 
is to take a break. Okay, hold on, we're not taking anything in. We're just closing shop. We're closing the warehouse. We have to organize the stock. So to a person's intellect, a person's brain, when Hashem gives them the opportunity to advance, so you're just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. But while you're absorbing, you can't settle. You can't organize what Hashem has given to you in your life. You have a lot of bits of information, of experiences coming in, and they're just coming in, coming in, but you're not organizing it. What's needed is a chance to organize it. This bounce back stops the emotion and now forces a person, again, if he does the right thing, he's required to now switch to intellectual mode. Okay, they pushed me back. Thank you. It's like closing the warehouse now. Now I have to settle the spiritual inventory, the mental in, in, in inventory, the, concept, the conceptual inventory that Hashem has given me. Now I have to make an organization. We have in the brain three sections. Chokhmah, Bina, Da'at. Every human being has interaction of all three. Chokhmah is knowledge, new knowledge coming your way. Bina is the, is the development of it, the understanding, you know, the, how we develop this idea. And then that, okay, is the conclusion. How do I now, what do I do with this? It's like now the Bina tries to decipher and, and open up what this, what this information, this new piece of knowledge is doing for me. What, is it, what can it benefit me? And the dot is, okay, my conclusion is I'm going to do like this. person wants to plan a trip, so he, he has the information. Okay, the ticket costs this much, and I have to do this, and this is the piece of information. And then the, the, the Bina says, okay, but if I do like this, and I leave too early, I'm going to miss out the meeting and the wedding that I have the next week. So a person now uses the faculty of Bina, and then dot is the conclusion is, we're going to do like this, A, B, C, D, and it's done. Okay? So now when a person has a bounce back, he's forced now to take all the information that came his way in life and structure it and organize it. So he switches to what's called intellectual mode. He left the emotional mode. If a person now organizes his intellect, his intellect becomes now a vessel to receive this big light called the infinite light. He calls it Rabbi Nachman, based on what the Kabbalah teaches, nine chambers. A person, every person, develops what's called nine chambers. Where do you get the number nine from? So he explains that when a person has this bounce, his chokhmah binadad, which are three, they become intertwined, intertwined, like entangled into each other. So it becomes three times three, and that's the number nine. These nine chambers afterwards allow a person, after he settled his inventory, his intellect, he's then able to perceive Hashem at the highest of levels. So I have to go off a little. Rabbi Natan in his Likute Alachot, he amazingly shows that this is the relationship between husband and wife. Fascinating, okay? He says something amazing. He says, the, the force which pushes a person back when a person is going too up, in the Kabbalah it's called the Keter. The Sphira, this level called the crown, is above the Sphirot. When a person is advancing, He's advancing in relationship to the energy of the ten spherot. It's, it's, it's emotions, perspectives, experiences. Maximum is up to ten. Chesed is an experience. It's an attitude of loving kindness. Gvura is restraint. Tiferet is splendor. Netzach is victorious. A person in their growth, they go through experiences of these levels of Hashem's input. But there's a, there's a limit. There's only ten. When a person now has reached his maximum, each person, Hashem knows when a person reaches that level, 
there's what's called the bounce. Hey, hey, you can't go further. If you go any further, you're going dis- to disintegrate. You're going to disappear. So it's called the keter, the crown, which is above. It's, it's called the crown because it sits like the crown on the head above the ten sfirot, and it pushes a person back. And like we said, if the person continues with the emotions, he's going to crash. Because the person begin- when a person has a pushback, what is he saying? What happened to me? I was going so good in life. Everything was amazing. The marriage was amazing. The parnas was amazing. My service of Hashem was amazing. It was getting up every morning. Hannah, look at me. I'm some fat batata now. And I'm, not, I'm out of shape. And I'm sick. And the, what did Hashem do to me? What happened? I had such good years in my life. Where did they go? If the person continues on emotions, it's going to eat him up. It's going to just eat him up. Finished. Because he has to switch to intellect that this was a growth it's not a setback this is me now to just switch to intellectual mode no emotions at all just intellect we are now examining what happened and putting things in perspective if i'm able not to express the emotion because if i do express emotion it comes from a bad place if i come in from a good place then i'm able to advance and reach levels that were so where i didn't even know existed levels waiting for me that hashem has in store for my potential where i really am okay so he says we have no sin the Keter is, believe it or not, the power of the wife. It's hinted to in a verse in Mishlein. There's two verses that begin like this, Eshet Chayel, right? We say Friday night, Eshet Chayel Miimtza. And there's another verse in Mishlein that starts like this, Eshet Chayel Ateret Ba'ala. The woman of valor is the crown of her husband, Ateret Ba'ala. So Nassim shows the woman, her power is the Keter. Meaning what? When the husband is going too much, too high, too high, too high, the woman gets like antenna, information from an eye, keter, boom, okay? He had a great day. He comes home, the wife, she has to scream at him. Why did you buy the wrong mayonnaise? I told you to buy this mayonnaise. She takes the mayonnaise and she squishes it in his face, right? You bought the wrong mayonnaise, okay? And the man, if he continues on emotion, he's finished, finished. Because emotion with emotion, forget it, forget it. Mm. She has become the emotion, yes. His job at that point is to switch. Ravnosan explains. All this is in the Torah. It's phenomenal, okay? Is to switch to intellectual mode. And that's what she's looking for. The Keter wants the intellectual mode of the person. In this case, the man who was until now emotional. Yes, I got up, I have my enthusiasm, I woke up on time and this and that, and come home, take care of the kids, do this, tisha be'av, everything. And the man said, what happened to me? Everything was going great. And all of a sudden, this thing happened. This is the test. He has to now switch to intellectual mode, which means that if he starts arguing and the argument is coming from emotional mode, it'll just destroy it. Nothing will happen. So what to do, yes? In the case, for example, where a wife presents the keter bounce to the man. And what is she waiting to hear? To hear that the man has an expression of self-confidence that comes from intellect. Meaning, for example, a wife comes bombarding a man with all types of things, and it's the keter. The, the, what's behind the forest is the keter pushing the man back, okay? So then when he goes over, let, let the wife, she's saying all these things, and he asks his wife, did you, did you finish talking? No, I have no more to say. And she goes on for another f- uh, five hours to, to, to knock him down and this and that. I can't handle this, that. And, and then until finally she has no more breath. Did you finish? Yes, I finished now. Okay, let's go over what you said. I want to just make it like, like a police report. Okay, let's make a report now of all the points. Point A, you said this, right? Correct. Point B, you said this, yeah. And the man repeats from an intellectual perspective, no emotion, 
all the points. And he said, you covered all the points? Yeah, we covered the points. And at that point, if the man says to the wife, I can feel for you, I can relate for what you're going through. For her, that's the greatest simcha. Thank you. That's what I was waiting for. That you understand where I'm coming from and what I'm doing to you. I'm coming from a perspective to help you and you now are accepting it by not being emotional. The emotion when you say I can relate and I understand and I understand exactly what you want, that's what the wife is waiting to hear. Because she's in emotion mode as a keter and he now has to be intellectual mode. If he's emotion, forget it. So by this, the woman becomes the actual crown of the husband because she helps him now to now put the inventory in place, to put the stock in place. And as that, he's now able to perceive the infinite light. And the infinite light shines the, the joy and the Kedusha in the family. It says the Hafla'a. The Hafla'a was a very, very complex posek in Halacha. He wrote a very deep book in Halacha. He's in the Shulchan Aruch. He says something amazing. He says, in the secret of husband and wife, you also have Yud Kevavke. Ish has Yud in the middle. Isha has He. And the Ketubah, which binds them, has also Vav. Hey, you have Ketav, Kaf, Kav, Vav, and you have a Ketubah, a funny letter. Vav is all of a sudden there. And the Hey, that's the Vav Hey from Hashem's name. When the marriage works together in the process of the running and the bounce back, and it's done properly, this enlightens Yud Kevavke, and in this sense, the, the, the couple can bring down the light of Hashem. We went through a lot. I'm shitting. <laughs> okay. The bottom line is the key for all this to happen is simcha. If now a person has the simcha, he'll take this bounce back properly and know when to switch from intellectual mode to emotional mode and be able to advance in life. This is the key. Okay? And again, like the Parsha says, Kitavo, all the klalot come to a person, Tachat Asher, Lavazdem et Asher, Besimcha. Okay? That's the key. The Torah is saying, Your key to serve me, Hashem says, is you have to maintain happiness. You have to have a positive attitude. And if it's not there, you have to do flip the whole world to get it. You have to flip the world to be happy. Don't say, okay, we have to suffer, we have to continue, and just drag, like you put a patch on and continue dragging. No, you have to make that change instantly. It's the, a person has to invest the majority of his kohot, his strength, on the, on the midah of simcha, because that's the key for everything else. If now you think, by learning more Torah, I'll get happiness. By doing more mitzvah, it's, you have to build the happiness to do the mitzvah now. That's what's needed, to get in a happy attitude. And if it's not there, so what we said, a person has to open up his heart. This is what we said, the, the title of the class was what? Open your heart, pour your heart like water. That a person's heart becomes so fragile that pff, it's like broken, a broken glass where the water just comes flowing out. So a person when he sees that it's such frustration not allowing him to be happy, so he has to open his heart and let everything just flow. Let it out. Let it out. Let everything that's built up out. This is the biggest key to Simcha. Okay, this was a lesson. The point is pretty clear. I present to all of you now the 40-day challenge. What's the 40-day challenge? This, everything we spoke about tonight is taken from one lesson in, in Rabbi Nachman's book, Likutei Moran, Lesson 24. How Likutei Moran works is fascinating. There is no other book in the Torah that works like this. What does it work? This book, Likutei Moran, the more you learn it, the more you begin to activate it in your life and you see the changes happening. It's fascinating. Even though 
This is technically true of all the Torah, of the Gemara, the Mishnah, the Midrash, the Zohar, the Kabbalah. But you need to be a tzaddik, a big-time tzaddik who has X-ray eyes, to be able to see in any piece of the Torah all the things happening in life coming to life. We don't have the eyes like that. The verse says, we say this pasuk every Shabbat morning, Ene Hashem El Tzadikim, which translates, the Tzadikim have the eyes of Hashem. The Tzadikim have x-ray eyes. The Tzadikim, they see everything open. But we're not at that level. I'm not a Tzadik. I'm not yet there. I want to be, but I'm not there yet. I need a type of Torah level that comes to me and opens me up. This is Hasidut. This is why Hasidut came into the world. This is what the Baal Shem Tov introduced and what the other Hasidic masters introduced. But it sticks out unbelievably with Rabbi Nachman's teachings. You can test it and see for yourself that this book is phenomenal, that anybody who goes into it and learns it, you touch it, you begin to activate it. However, what we do, I'm activating it. I begin to see signs and indications and all types of things happening in my life and around me that I know are connected and are directly to this lesson that I'm learning. But I want to change. It's one thing to have it activated, but I wanted to have a change in myself. It's like, for example, a person, God forbid, has some type of a skin disease on his right elbow, his left elbow. And there's a special cream that costs 500 bucks, $500 to get the cream. So finally, finally, he raised the money, got the $500, and he bought the cream. So he comes out of the pharmacy, yay, I have the cream. But you idiot, apply it to the, you have to apply it to the area. You have the cream, fine, you have the antidote, you have the remedy. Apply it to where you need, to, where you need the help from. So there is a follow-up. The follow-up is this concept called La'asot mitorot tfilot. When tzaddikim of this caliber reveal Torah teachings and then you daven to inculcate it, to absorb it, to internalize it, this type of prayer is fascinating. It directs these Torah teachings that you have awakened to heal the proper, appropriate place. There's only two Torah books in the history of Am Yisrael that have prayers written on them. We have the five books of Moses, the Chumash, and the Gemara says, corresponding to them are the five books of Tehillim. Tehillim has five books. And the Gemara says that King David wrote the five books of Tehillim on the five books of the Chumash. What does that mean? That means all of the supplications and requests and crying and screaming and prayers of David HaMelech and all the tzaddikim who wrote with him the book of Tehillim are to fulfill what's written in the five books of Moshe. Okay? The only other book we have prayers written on them is this fascinating book by Rabbi Nachman called Likutei Moran. His disciple, Rabbi Natan, wrote prayers on these lessons. But these are not your regular prayers. It's not like, okay, I have a prayer book. I have other collected prayers. These prayers are based on these lessons, which means these lessons that you awake and you feel them in your life and then you daven about them it's a, it's a complete healing process. So, with that said, we have prepared two PDF files, okay? One is a 40-day chart on this challenge. To ch in your life, please, if you like, give Rabbi Nachman a chance. Give Rabbi Nachman a chance to touch parts of your neshama which you never discovered you had. Not scary parts, but parts of your energy and power that you have access to that you didn't know about, let him help you open it up. The levels of simcha that you have access to, the levels of the intellect, the levels of all the things we spoke about tonight, let him open it up to help you enhance 
your connection with God. So we prepared one PDF file of a 40-day structured uh, 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 challenge, if you want to say, of a breakdown of learning this lesson for 40 days with the prayer. We have a PDF, a second PDF file with the actual lesson and the full prayer. Two PDF files. Since, however, Likute Moran is pretty deep. Because how Rabbi Nachman works in his book, Likute Moran, is that he brings an idea and then he brings a proof to it immediately. He brings a verse from the, from the Torah or a, a Gemara or a Zohar or a Midrash. And the average person, you can't keep up the flow because he says something and then he brings a verse and then it's all, it's more, it, you might get lost in the flow. Because of that, Rabbi Nachman told his disciple, Rav Nosin, to write what's called an abridged Likute Moran, where he collects just the practical points that come out of each lesson. This book is as potent as the Likute Moran because you're learning and going over the ideas. And by just going over them, it's Torah, you're learning them, reciting them, you begin to activate them. 40 days, why 40 days? This is simple. We saw this in two weeks ago's parasha, that Moshe Rabbeinu davened 40 days and 40 nights to activate Hashem's forgiveness. The number 40 is considered a, un a unit to see change in life. It, change in Judaism is not immediate, but a 40-day challenge test is something already noticeable to see a change. So we offer you this challenge. Give Rabbi Nachman a, ch a chance on this level that you've never tasted before. Two PDF files. One is the actual 40-day schedule. And it's not so much. It's not going to drive you out two hours a day. No. It starts off maybe, depending on how fast you read. Again, it's reading words. You're articulating, enunciating the words. You're learning a lesson, saying the prayer. It's in English, by the way. It's not in Hebrew. It's a PDF of the Hebrew and English translation. You can choose as you wish. You go over the ideas. And again, we developed it that's less and less and less. So by the end of the 40 days, you've done much less, but you're more connected to the ideas because you know the flow of the lesson and the flow of the prayer. And you begin to see how this is really part of your life and you need these things in your life. 40-day challenge, number one, to see that this is changing your life. Or number two, that you want to continue with it after the 40-day challenge. So please contact me. An email address, Breast of Therapy. Sounds funny saying this, but I have to say it. Breast of Therapy, B-R-E-S-L-O-V therapy at gmail.com or by WhatsApp. It's an American number, 732-800-1863 and we'll be happy to send you the PDF files. Yeratzon, we should be to prepare 40 days from now is exactly Yom Kippur. It's an idea to start today if you'd like. Finish on Yom Kippur, the day after Yom Kippur. We should be zoche to have Simcha in our life. And you should know that the Pasuk says the key for bringing Mashiach is Simcha. More than tshuva out of fear and pachad and gog and magog, whatever they say, what's going to bring Mashiach more than anything else is what the verse says, ki besimcha tetzeu. We're going to get out of this exile specifically through Simcha. Simcha of the Jews who held on, that is what's going to bring Mashiach. Bezat Hashem, bimerabi amenu. Amen. Any questions or whatever? The other ones, you could take if you don't? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you want, I prepared a PDF file. You have the whole lesson and prayer together on one file. You can print it out, whatever. It's called the 50th Tefillah? Yeah. In English, it's been translated as the 50th Gate. Rav Nosson's Prayers by the Breast Recordings. of Research Institute. Is the, uh, is the abridged... Uh,